0: Okay, we're gonna read uh, uh, the scriptures, and uh, if you have ears to hear, let us all stand to honor the reading of God's word. Where it's found in Hebrews and Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled. In pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And now from the book of Ephesians, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing, sing, and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: It's not every day that scripture reading gets an applause. And Evan, as I told you at nine o'clock, I love you and sense your love for me and for us. And I, whatever God has done in your life, I pray He will do it in each one of us here. Uh, I just see the love of Christ radiating and shining in and through you. Well, here's what I want to talk to us about today. We're a little bit late. Should I speak fast or short? Uh, uh, I'll see what I can do. I'll tell you what I want to tell you, uh, and that is, I want us as a church family to worship together. I I want little Charlie, when she grows up and gets old enough to to be able to sit here for the whole time, to to have somebody like Evan that that she worships with. I I want us to worship together, because I think that's what our Father wants us to do. Now, for some of you who are newer to church, you may be surprised that a pastor would say that, well, of course. Uh, Church should be where people worship together. But if you've grown up in a church like this one, you know that all over the United States for about 40 years, uh, people didn't talk about that very much. In fact, when I was in college and on in the seminary, I was told, no, uh, if you you try to force everybody to worship together, nobody will want to come. They won't like it very much. So you need to find out what they enjoy, all the different people, what their heart's language and music is, find out what all of them prefer, and then uh, give them what they want. And, and then the church will get to be big. Um, and so you know what we did? And it, it, it still happens all over. So we say, well, young and old, they probably don't want to worship together. So we'll have a service with more traditional stuff for the old people, and we'll have contemporary services for the young. But then we soon found out that simply because you're young or old doesn't mean that you like the same sorts of things. So we had to divide up more and more. And so we had to have liturgical services for some. We had to have a postmodern service. We tried this, that here on Sunday nights. We have to have a baby boomer service over here. And we divided and divided and divided up. Not even... I think pausing to ask, what does our Father say we should do when we've given our lives to Him? Um, and, and I think it's because of our consumerist society that it just seemed right to us. Just getting to be big, if that'll do it, that's, that's what we should do, and we should always give people what they like. And yet, brothers and sisters, when, when you gather here, I think the thing you and I need to know, that the church is not a consumerist product. The church is not a sports club where if you like golf, you go over here, and if you like tennis, you go over there. It is not a social club where you'll play bridge over here or whatever else you do over there. The church has been called together by God himself. It is the people of God who have experienced the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his blood that we could even be in the family of God. The church is the place where the Holy Spirit indwells each one of us. We gather together, not not for us, well, for us, but it's not about us. It is about him. And we gather here to worship him. It is all about the one who created us and loves us so much in spite of our sins. That he sent his one and only son so that when we gather, we gather to worship him. That, that's what I want to preach to you about today. <laughs> we got to be clear about this. I, I am so convinced. Oh, praise be to God. I am so convinced that there need to be places in the church where we get together with people who are at the same stage of life as we are. So we really need places where, you know, our, our junior high students or high school students can gather Sometimes uh, sing together and, and also learn how to live for Jesus in the place of life where they are. We need that. We need that when, when young families, we have so many, as you, you'll see, that they're having young children. How do we bring up our children in the way of the Lord? We need places in the church where you gather together with people who are in that same place of life all the way up through senior adulthood, but I am telling you, we also need to have that time when the whole family gets together. It's like that illustration that's on the front of the worship folder with the puzzle pieces. All those different parts of the different pieces. But I'm telling you, when you come together, you see the whole picture of what God is doing. I am convinced that our Heavenly Father, who sent His Son for us and gives His Spirit to us, wants us to worship Him together. Now. Uh, When you think about that, what do we mean when we say we want to worship in unity together? Well, you know, this this word worship is a big one. Um, Even in the church it is. And really what it means is that that thing or that person that we put first in our lives, that we adore, that we allow to uh, direct every part of our lives uh, it's worthships, who is worthy? What is worthy of us devoting our whole lives to that person or to that thing? What, what, is it, what is it that you put first that directs all of your thoughts and all of your lives? And the Bible insists there is only one who is worthy of our worthship, and that is God and God alone. So, so that when you see worship in that big way, you begin to realize that every moment that we live can be an act of worship. I mean, when you walk out of church and you meet a hurting person, and otherwise on your own you would have ignored them, but because you think that God would have you to go over and show them some of the love of Jesus, you go over and do it, that's an act of worship. Or when when you and I feel a temptation to do something we know wouldn't honor God, and yet simply because we want to honor God, we say, no, I'm going to live for you instead of for myself, it's an act of worship. So it's a big thing. But when we talk about this call to worship Him in unity together, We're talking about one special part of God's call to us to worship. And that is, he brings us into a local community like this one, a family of faith. And he tells us, when when I do, sometimes you've just got to give up some of those personal preferences simply to bring your hearts and your voices together in worship to God. That's what I'm talking about. And I am convinced that when we come across, together across all of those things that usually divide our world, uh, what, how old or young we are, uh, what our skin color might be, how much money we have, how much education we have, we, we bring all those things together with us. And yet when we, we bring all those together and we offer ourselves as a whole family to God, I am sure our Father is pleased. And I think he'll do his work in you as well. So so that's what it is that I'm so much longing for, for us to keep growing. I'm I'm seeing it happening. Keep growing in this matter of us worshiping together as a family in unity. Now, the the question is, what do we do when we get together and worship in unity? Because you can't do everything the Bible tells us that we should do in 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 a service like this. We don't have the chance to listen to one another and to encourage one another in that way and to really pray and uphold one another. So you can't do everything in the worship service. But there are certain things that the Bible tells us we should do and certain things that our brothers in Christ who have worshiped like we are throughout history have done and that our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world do every time they gather. I mean, so so the place where you worship, I've been in churches that have met on the beach, I've been in churches where you had to meet out in the forest because the government didn't want you to meet, and so you go and meet there. It looks a little bit different from Lake Avenue Church. <laughs> and yet, we did the same sorts of things together when we gathered as one family. What were they? Some of you can give this list as well as I, but I just want you to know what you're in for. Several, seven things. One, we praise God together because we're just so thankful for what God's done. And and God's people, when we gather, all of us have experienced forgiveness and mercy and grace of God. We've got to praise God together, and usually it's through our singing. What kind of music? That's always the problem. But whatever it is, we've got to get it together and sing because we're going to do it throughout eternity. Read the book of Revelation. Number two, we've got to pray together. Now, I want you to pray on your own and in, in your classes and in your small groups and all of that. We want to do that. But there are times where the whole church family needs to come together and, and spend a few moments in prayer. One of the parts of that that has to take place is that we have to confess our sins. Because one of the things that all of us experience together is we we've, we've failed in some way in this past week. If, if that's true of you, look around. We may not want to tell you where we failed, but we have. And we need to come together and acknowledge that. And because of that, the church worship service is not about me or about you. It is about him who says, I know. And when we confess, he will be who he is. He says, I'll be faithful and just. I'll forgive you your sins. And together we hear, he'll cleanse us. And it makes us a hallelujah group. So we, we praise, we pray. And in that prayer, we also bring shared concerns uh, that are happening in our government, in our, in our neighborhood, and in our world. So we praise, we pray. Uh, Christians also have engaged in what I call ordinances. Um, some churches call them sacraments. Uh, baptism is one of those. That when a person comes to Jesus and wants to declare, I belong to him, he is my Lord, I belong to him, and in our baptism, because we do it by immersion, from head to toe, I belong to Jesus. We celebrate that together as a family, and we rejoice. And, and then on a regular way, just because Jesus told us to do it, in a regular uh, pattern of time, we gather in, in our church at first uh, weekend of every month to remember what's brought us together, how it is that people who have failed and who are unholy can come into the presence of a holy God. We remember the body and blood of our Lord Jesus. We remember so that we will not forget that it's not about us, but about Him. So it's praise, it's prayer, it's ordinances. And then giving is a part of our worship. You knew the senior pastor would say that. We bring our offerings together, and a part of that is that God has put us in a material world. And and to do the things God's called us to do does require giving, but there's something much bigger than that in the life of the church when we receive your offering. It's because we acknowledge that everything we are has been made by God. Everything we have has been given to us by God. We are his stewards. And so in the offering, it is a tangible way of saying, Lord, I bring to you your tithes because he asks that of us. And offerings too because many times you've blessed me enormously as an act of worship to you. Christians, when they've come together, have always acknowledged that through their giving. Praise, prayer, ordinances, giving, family life. Boy, this has been one of those services, hasn't it? (laughs) When we have our children, you notice it wasn't just Perry and Annie dedicating Charlie to the Lord. We made a commitment (laughs) uh, to living this life in a faithful way so that Charlie can see genuine Christianity lived out within her community. And if she never sees us, she won't know. Family life. Uh, family life. We talk about those shared areas of concern. I know we can do it by social media. I know that we can do it uh, by email. But I tell you, when we gather and hear together, this is important to us. It's a part of worship. And sometimes we tell the stories of what God is doing. you remember Advent season? We heard the story of people actually meeting Jesus in a prison that he doesn't abandon us wherever we are. We heard the story, do you remember, of Sue, who met Jesus in a a loud party that somehow on a screen, Jesus broke into her life. Do you remember that? And together we celebrate family life. It's a part of worship. Then six, what I'm doing now is a part of worship. Because we're a family of God, our Father, our Father has given us His Word. And one thing we need to do when we gather together is sit under this Word together. Now, you should read the Bible on your own. And I think in our small groups, and our classes, and we, we need to study the Word. But I'm just going to tell you something right now. When the whole family gathers together and this Word is open to us, God will speak to you in a fresh way that perhaps you've never heard Him before. It's just my testimony to you. Many of the times that God has called me away from what is wrong and guided my life has been in this place where I've sat under his word together with my brothers and sisters. I'll be the first one to tell you, it's really hard to preach to a group like you. And you might say, it is hard to listen to a preacher like you. (laughs) Just think about us. I mean, for goodness sakes, we have people who didn't quite make it through school. We have people who are just in junior high, and then we have Caltech doctoral students and even faculty members. How do you preach to groups like that? We, we have some people who are, who are just brand new to ever even showing up at a church. We have other people like me who've walked with Jesus for 55 years and have been to Bible school and seminary. And How do you preach to such a broad range of people like that? I'm not quite sure, except I do know this. I've got to listen to what the Father says. I've got to know you and love you and bring this word to you. And I think God, through His Spirit, will speak to us all. Uh, Preaching, when we gather, we've got to hear it. It won't always be easy because uh, we're not supposed to just say what our itching ears want to hear, but what God says. And sometimes He calls us to change. That's a part of worship. And then it ends with response. Having met God together, as James would say, we're not just going to be hearers of this word, we're going to do it. And we go out praying that tomorrow will be different from yesterday because we've met him here with his family. That's what we should do when we worship. Why is this so important to me? Well, one, because I think God tells us to do it. Don't forsake doing this, he says. Number two, and Myra got at this so well when, he, when she did her announcements. When, when our broken world sees a group of people as different as we are actually coming together and worshiping in unity, they, they, they will believe that God is in this place. And one of the things they'll know is, in, in the brokenness of our world, that what we talk about, the reconciling power of God to bring what is broken back together, they'll know that that power is real tell you this, past week I was in Des Moines, Iowa all week, freezing. Free- I love Southern California, let me just tell you. Um, we have our own problems. Earthquake and fire and mudslides, but okay, uh, we're not heaven yet. But I'll tell you what got me is all the advertisements. Iowa. What's going on in Iowa? Political ads. Unending. Full of poison. I, I, here in California, we don't get them, because I don't guess we have elections here. But... Uh, <laughs> I tell you, I just realized how polarized our world is. Uh, There's so much poison that is out there. And in a broken world where people stand against people and say the worst things about one another, the church should be a place where, in Christ, we have found what brings us actually together. Namely, we have experienced His grace and been brought into one family with people who come from all sorts of backgrounds. I am convinced that one of the major ways of our witness to this community is that we worship together in unity. And I'm convinced that when you make that a part of your life, God will do a special work in you. That a part of his renewing his work in your life until he does what Pastor Jeff preached about last week, makes you complete in Christ, all that he created you to be, that this is a big part of it. Just show you two verses, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. He said, let us consider, Evan read this for us, us, let's think about this. How will we, speaking to the whole church there, spur one another on toward love and good deeds? They don't come natural to us. And this is what he says. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. It's like he's writing 21st century, don't you think? It's like he's writing to people who say, well, I'd rather just be with people who enjoy the same things I do. No, no, no. We need to come together, and when it does, we are ourselves spurred on to being more loving, as Evan talked about, and to living the lives of goodness that God has created us for. Uh, One more text I'll give you before I end this section Romans chapter 15. Chris and I used this in our wedding, it really was written for a church a group of people in the big city of Rome who didn't really want to worship together. They'd come from such different backgrounds. And this was Paul's prayer for them. It's my prayer for us too. May the God who gives endurance, sometimes we need it, and encouragement give you a spirit of unity, is what it says, or the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, spirit of unity among yourselves, so that as you gather with one mind, coming under the word, and with one voice giving praise to God, you may glorify the one that this church is about, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. See, that, that, that's uh, why this is so important to me. Now, just a few words. How are we going to do this? this? This doesn't come naturally to us. Uh, because because have, have you thought about this? I can almost see a, a, somebody watching us coming, coming into church. And they'll see... Uh, Ken Hilton. Oh, I saw him playing in a, in a jazz club. They must do jazz music at that church. And then, then they'll see some of the uh, orchestra members walking in. All those people play in symphony orchestras. Maybe it's classical music in that church. And, and then they'll, they'll hear a high school student walking in with the earphone on, and it's so loud that oh, she's listening to hip hop. What's she doing going into that church? And that pastor, he's from West Virginia. It must be all bluegrass in that place. <laughs> they'll say that. Then they'll walk in and they'll see us somehow getting this together and worshiping together and giving glory to God. So how is this going to happen that we do this? And Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 to 21, is just powerful. Make note of this market and let's see if we can live it. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. What he's saying is the chemical in alcohol can control and direct our lives, making us do things that we wouldn't want to do. Don't do that, he said. Let something else control and direct your life. So instead, he says, Be filled with the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God direct your life. And when he does, this is what you're going to do. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spirits, spiritual songs or songs from the Spirit. This is what you'll do you'll sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll do it submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, four quick instructions. Number one, when you come to Lake Avenue Church or any other church you go to, pray that God's Spirit will give you strength to enjoy singing all kinds of songs to the Lord. I love how he puts it here. He starts now, be filled with the Spirit. Because I think Paul knows what I know as a pastor. We need the power of God's Spirit actually to come and worship together. We are such self-driven, self-led people that, that simply to give up preferences, we need the help of God. Any amens that are here. So let God's Spirit do a work in you to give you strength to come in and just say, I'm gonna lay aside my preferences, and if that is a song that is to the Lord, I'm going to sing it. Um, I'll just tell you a little bit about Ephesians. Ephesians one through three. It was God's eternal plan to bring together people as as diverse as we are into one family. It's where he starts. And he was doing it there, even in this city of Ephesus. But uh, many of them were Jewish believers. And others had come from non-Jewish backgrounds, brand-new believers coming to Jesus. And they really were thankful to have found Jesus as their Savior. But the, they only had one problem. They didn't want to be in one church together. Um, so the, the, I preached a whole six months on this. So I'll just tell you, my first year here. Uh, Paul essentially says, get over it. It's not your church. You were dead in your own sins. You're an act of mercy. There's no hope for you to go into the family of a holy God apart from his grace. So just be thankful that you're there at all, is what he says. It's not really easy preaching, but that's what he he does. And now when you get to chapter 5, he says, this is how it plays out. Now in the life of the church, he said, when you come into the church, you'll still be Jewish and you'll still be non-Jewish. Uh, you'll still have your skin color, darker hue, lighter hue, pink, or whatever I am. You'll still be that when you come into the church. You'll, you'll still have the interests and loves that you have. That's beautiful. It's all a part of God's creation. Uh, but when you come into the church, a third humanity is formed. Made up of all of that diversity and beautiful. Are you with me here? so that that you still have those interests and and unique aspects. But when you come into the church, a whole new kind, a third kind of family that is formed with God and God alone as Father. Now, he says, whenever you come and you try to worship together, uh, you're going to have your particular music tastes. But when you come together, there has to be a third space over here where in the church you become more than you would be if you just were with people who enjoy what you enjoy. So when you look at that, when you come to church, you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Those three words are picked out with a particular reason. So here it goes. I can just imagine it. A Jewish believer comes up to Paul. Paul, we're both Jewish. You know, we like psalms. That's the kind of music spiritual people should sing. That's in the Bible, you know. Psalms are in the Bible. That's the music God loves. Let's sing psalms. What does Paul say? When you gather, sing psalms. But I can almost hear, come over here, Paul, Paul. The Gentile businessman believer says, but I don't like psalms. Uh, that, that, that old Jewish music, I, I don't like that. And you know churches all around, when people are coming to meet Jesus, they're singing these new songs that actually use the name of Jesus. The psalms don't yet even have the name of Jesus. And these great songs, and you find some of them in, in the Bible, shouldn't we be singing those? What does Paul say? yes. Sing them, and that's what he calls hymns. Sing psalms and hymns. And I I can almost imagine a more charismatic believer back here saying, wait a minute, Paul. But sometimes when when we show up and worship together, the Spirit of God moves so deeply in my heart that I have to sing a new song to the Lord. And, and, And it's like what we did at Advent season, When some brand-new songwriters wrote brand-new songs never sung before, when the Spirit of God works, music comes. He says, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It's a whole separate third space. So I'm going to tell you, if you come and say, well, I can only worship with bluegrass music, Pastor. (laughs) Then I'll say, you're not singing to the Lord. I'll, I'll encourage you. To fly back to West Virginia and buy a ticket and go enjoy some great bluegrass music. My family can play some of it. And the same thing is true. But when you come to church, and and and, and a message about the, how great our God is goes forward, and about the grace of God, get your voice together with us, and let us sing, sing in ways that glorify God. Well, I'll keep going. Number two, be sure that what you're singing is actually a song to the Lord instead of just you know something that feels good to you make music from your heart to the lord so it is about it is about the lord and i think the key to us being able to do this together and to grow in this is that each one of us really owns up to the fact that we don't deserve to be worshiping the holy god as our father at all we Aren't we? We're mercy-needing people. Do you need the mercy of God? Yes. We're mercy-needing who have found mercy in Jesus. And so we are so grateful that we just have to offer our hearts and lives to Him. So here's the third thing I want you to do. Even before you come to church at home, uh, do a heart check. And make sure that you are grateful for what God has done for you. The, 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 you don't come in with pride thinking, well, other people need God's grace more than I do. No, no they don't. We do all need it. But make sure of your own heart. Always, how does he put it in verse 20, always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's my principle. I want you to think about it. I found that the people most enthused to worship God with his people are those who are most aware of his grace. I think sometimes we don't experience the power and presence of God because we aren't thankful, deeply thankful for what he's done. We've got to somehow try to stir up something, something that we don't really feel. We're not thankful. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then you'll be able to sing. Then you'll be able to hear his word. Do a heart check before you come to church. And then when you're in church... um, I want you to take some time occasionally just to look around you. Didn't you love what Evan said? Don't you know he looks out and he says, I love all of you. I love all of you. I'm so thankful for all of you. I even get to be a partial Armenian when I get to be together with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, it's just so, so beautiful. Look around you and recognize that everybody, every one of us who comes to church... We're we're, we're experiencing difficulties in parts of our lives. Some are facing sickness in our own lives or in our children. Some of us are having really hard and broken relationships in our marriages and in our, our families. Some of us are having a hard time financially. This world, this side of heaven is tough. God has brought us together, and together as we cast our eyes upon the Lord and pray for one another, I'll tell you what happens to me so often here among you. Hope is restored. When I worship God and I cast my eyes upon him, I realize that no matter what I'm going through these days, he is bigger than that problem that I am facing. And it gives me the ability to walk out with joy and peace with a song in my heart. I long for us to worship in unity together. And I'll, I'll just tell you, if you're visiting here, and I know we have some who came for Perry and Annie, uh, I love what God is doing among us. I see this desire and this love for worshiping together growing among us here. And I'm just praying that the Spirit of God has that grow more and more and more. It's gonna be a magnificent thing, it already is. In a family that's as diverse as this, if the sole reason why we come is to worship our God together and to hear from Him together and to go out and live for Him together, I tell you, it will bring great joy to your heart. And you will be encouraged to love and to good deeds. And I know, deep, deep down inside of my heart, that when we do, When we in a world, a consumerist world, are willing to lay aside personal preferences for the sake of the body of Christ, because God, by his grace, has brought us together, I know deep in my heart that our heavenly Father is pleased when he sees and experiences us as his people worshiping him in unity. May we do it to his glory. Amen. Let me lead us in prayer, and then I want us to sing a wonderful song together. Father, thank you for this church family. I'm so thankful for those who have brought us the message of Jesus. Watching Andy and Perry this morning and knowing how deeply committed they are to telling, uh, telling little Charlie about Jesus and to living their faith in front of her, I know how deep that is. And I know how much they need a family to walk with them all. I do too, we all do. Father, so you brought us together. Father, help us to be the kind of church family, household of faith, that you long for us to be. May that be seen by anybody who visits here, even in the way we worship together. May they not see a selfishness. May they not see a social club. May they see a group of people who are just so deeply thankful for your mercy and your grace and that you love us and that you've given us a family. That, Father, that they too are drawn to you and to the life that Jesus gave his life to give to them and to us. Father, be glorified through our worship together, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.